Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And as we roll into the home studios, the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios on this single tomorrow, DeMond Cotton, your boy Q. It's kind of a weird day outside. It's kind of a weird vibe. It's supposed to be really hot here. I think they say it was supposed to get up to about 95. It's not 95 right now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I just went outside a little while ago, and it had that, okay, it's warm. It's not hot. And believe me, I'm not complaining that it's not super hot. But it just kind of has that weird vibe outside. Maybe it's because it's single tomorrow. I don't know. Damon's in here with a hoodie. Normally, he's the guy that has the cutoff sleeves on. He's always ready to go. You're all hooded up, so I don't know. Wh- I don't know what's going on. What is going on today? I've got no problem telling on myself. <laughs> I went to lunch today. Oh my! Had goodness. some tacos. Uh-oh. A cup, a little bit of taco, got on my shirt. Okay. And I, the hoodie was in the back seat, and I was like, I'm gonna just throw the hoodie on. So what you're saying is that you can't eat without getting on yourself. The sauce be dripping, man. I mean, <laughs> so you're all at 12 years old. I got you. I got you. Hey, it happens, man. It happens to the best of us. I'll tell you. Even though that hasn't happened to me in a while, uh-huh. now that I say that, now that I say that, I'm going to probably do something happens today, to the right? the best of us, but not me. No, not me today. It hasn't happened in a while, but uh, I will say there's sometimes, depending on what I'm wearing, is based off what I'm going to eat. Like, I'll look and I'll say, oh, no, I can't order that today because it's going to, I'll just, I know that there's no way I won't mess this up. I had a, a clean pair of, of white Nikes on, the Coke white Nikes one, one day, man. I don't remember where, I, I think I was at Baylor. I was, yeah, I was, I was at Baylor softball game and we were in the, we were in the press, press box and I had some clean, man, clean white Nikes on. I had a piece of pizza and then all of a sudden, and I was just holding it. And next thing I know, man, that piece of pepperoni fell off of it and went right down and landed on my shoe. There's no coming back from that. There's no coming back from that. You can clean it. You can do anything you want. No coming back. There's always going to be a stain. So I understand. I'm not even mad. I understand. It happens. Yeah, man. As you know what? A lot's been going on. Basketball. I went to go play some basketball last night. You didn't. Oh, yes, I did. Don't I tell was that lie. Now, don't, don't tell that lie. Now, see, at, you were doing okay. No. Now, why would, you, you were doing okay when you told the truth about getting getting food all over yourself. Now, don't don't start telling lies there once saying you're going to play basketball. I'll tell you a story that you can't make up. Oh, boy. There was a post on Facebook, and it was a guy that a few years older than me, but still a good friend to this day. It was like, the five best basketball players that came out of your high school. And he names his five. And, you know, the post had been up for a, for a couple hours, and then I saw it. I said, and Damon, right? And one of the team managers from when I played on the team said, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those, so I texted him, like, hey, you, you, come on, man, why are you doing this to me? He's like, I don't even get on Facebook, but I had to when I saw that. Wow. Somebody that doesn't even use Facebook saw add Damon and said, Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, my goodness. Well, it just adds to the legend of Damon and his non-basketball playing self. Boy, oh, boy. You know, it's so funny, though. I meet so many people, and that's one of the funniest stories that they always want to know. It's like, have you ever seen Damon play basketball? I said, no, apparently nobody has. So that's just an ongoing thing that really you brought on yourself. I didn't really even create this monster. This is something you created, self-created. It's cool. But you should have seen me last night, man, on fire. Were you? How many points did you go for? Like 35? You were just the, the dude. Now nah, we were going to 15, ones and twos. I hit two threes in a layup, but I'll say this, that one game is all I had. 
Okay, there it is. It's all you needed, right? Right? It's all I got. It's all I need. We won. There you go. Hey, you left on top. That's what I'm talking about. DeMond left a winner. That's all that really matters in the game of life is leaving on top as a winner. Speaking of winners, we got a couple winners coming up on the show today. The guest that we have, Patricia Trainer for Locked On Giants. Also, she's a writer for Giants Country, does a great job uh, with that. She's going to join the show about 2.30 and talk about James Bradbury. And I just got to talk about James Bradbury because I feel like that uh, everybody is at the tipping point when it comes to him and what's going to end up him in New York. It looks like it's inevitable that he's going to get released. And I'll tell you, man, I, I I want the Raiders to go out of their way to try to go get him. But once he gets released and he's free game for everybody, I think the floodgates are just going to open. I just think so many teams are going to reach out and try to get him because the dude could play. He still has a lot, and maybe he'll want to go play for his old defensive coordinator and Patrick Graham. I'm literally pounding the table saying that this is something, if they hear me ever at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance <laughs> Center, if they ever decide, hey, let's just tune in and see what Q's talking about today. If they hear me just one time in my life, I hope they hear me now. Because they really, in my opinion, need to go out and get that veteran corner. Something we've been talking about on this show for quite a while. I think it would just be such a big boost to that Raiders defense. Uh, you saw what happened last season when the Raiders brought in Casey Hayward. He was a guy familiar with the scheme. He was not only able to go out there and put, play and perform at a high level, but he was also able to help the young dudes along. Not that that's his role. Not that I'm saying, hey, bring James Bradbury in so he could teach everyone else how to play. No, but just having someone that's been there, done that, and has the skills and understands what's being asked of them, that goes a long way. If nothing else, somebody, a young cat like a Nate Hobbs could look over and say, well, what's he doing? Okay, he's been in this scheme, so what's expected? Oh, let's pay attention to what he's going on. I'm not saying I, I'm, I'm not trying to Ryan Tannehill it up and say, hey, come on in and be a mentor and teach the next guy to take. I don't care about none of that. I really don't. I don't care about if guys are there to be mentors. No, the guys are there to make their money and do their job. If a young cat can't come in and ask no question, that's on him. If I'm a young cat, if I'm just getting into the league, and, DeMond, you've been there 18 years or however long you've been there. I'm going to ask you, hey, man, what do I got to do to stick around like you? If they can't do that, well, then that's, that's on them. So I don't really care about the whole mentor thing, but it helps if you see someone on your squad, you can look over and say, oh, been there, done that. Okay, I, I get what he's doing. I see what he's doing. That's how I need to handle my business. So James Bradbury is a guy that I really, really think would be a great addition to the Raiders' defense. I think they've made a lot of great moves. This offseason, I think they brought in some really good players. I like it. There's not too many holes that I look at when I see that team. There's not too many holes that I still think are there, but that's one. That is absolutely one. If you can't get a, a veteran corner in there, you may be in a little bit of trouble. I know a lot of people are pounding the table. Oh, he got Rocky Sin. Cool. Cool. I believe him. I liked him coming out of Temple, but he just hasn't quite got there yet. So is this the year you want to experiment to see if he's going to get there? Or you want a guy that's been there, done that. Again, this guy had 17 passes defense last season and four interceptions. I'll go back to you, Damon. How many interceptions as a team did the Raiders have last season? Six, I believe. That's it. Ding, ding, ding. Six. Two more than my man had all by himself. They had that as a unit. That's got to change. They've got to do better than that. You want to find a way to steal some possessions, especially in the AFC West that's going to be a dogfight each and every time they play each other this season. You want to find a way to steal a couple possessions? You've got to create a couple turnovers. James Bradbury can help do that. So uh, we'll talk to Patricia Trainer about what's happening with Bradbury in New York and the fact that he's going to be released sooner rather than later. And just her thoughts on him, uh, even in the, in the scheme, in Patrick Graham's scheme, what, what he does to, to put them in the, in the right position to succeed. We'll talk all that. 
coming up at 2.30. 3 o'clock, we'll have cover three NFL news and notes of the day. And possibly, possibly I'll get to an interview I did with Madison Blevins-Hawk from Channel 10 in Tennessee uh, talking about the fifth-round pick defensive tackle Matthew Butler. It's something I put on my podcast. On the podcast all week long, I've been doing uh, like a little behind-the-scenes look on all the players that the Raiders drafted, not the guys that they you know, dra- uh, signed as undrafted free agents, but just as the guys that they drafted. And so I thought that conversation with Madison was really good. So depending on how the 3 o'clock hour shakes out, might have that conversation as well so you can hear about Matthew Butler, who I'll say this, out of all of the players that were drafted, out of all the six, I think Butler and... Dylan, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Parham, yeah, Dylan Parham are my two favorite. Parham, I just think he has some ability to do some things, and I'm not too sure where it's going to lead, not too sure where he's going to play, when he's going to play. I just think there's something to like about him. I like Zeus, uh, you know, Zamir White. I think he's going to be a, a good running back, but you know how it is. They have like 19 running backs in the running back room, so I mean, we'll we'll see how that all shakes out. But I think Dylan Parham has a little something to like, but I really. I really like Matthew Butler a lot. I think I asked that question on Monday. Like, what's the player that you're most excited about that the Raiders drafted? I think Matthew Butler's my guy. I just like that we got two guys on the team that are both from Tennessee, those Tennessee roots. Oh, here one you go. One from Memphis, one from Knoxville. Here you wow. go. Here you go. Okay. But I, Butler, even when he dropped, one of the things when you're watching the broadcast where you can hear it a little bit. I was actually bit, shocked that he dropped. Yes, exactly. That's what they said. Maybe he didn't test as well, mm-hmm. but the tape doesn't lie. He was He was standing out. In the SEC. Right. And we always make a big deal about the SEC, the toughest conference in football. He Facts. played well in the SEC, but yep. then after, I think the scouts get a little too cute words, ah, but he didn't run fast enough. He didn't jump high enough. But the tape is still there. Tape is still there. And at the end of the day, you should everything should be based off the tape. Yeah, you want to see what happens with the testing. You want to see what happens you know, at the combine. You want to see what happens at the pro day. All that stuff goes into it. But at the end of the day, man, what they did and put on film is what really matters the most. So you may hear that conversation today with Madison Blevins. If not, we'll push it to tomorrow. I mean, no big deal. Uh, we have it. It's recorded. It's a really good interview. And we'll bring it to you at some point. Uh, and then coming up at 3.30, our guy Eddie Brasilli from Sirius XM Radio. He does a fantastic job there as a a producer. He was actually here in Las Vegas for the draft, and uh, I was right there. I was right there when we were doing all those interviews with the with the players and with the uh, NFL Network guys. He was right there. Sirius XM was set up. They were doing their show live there, which, by the way, we should have probably done that too, but they had a nice little setup. I went to talk to him. Someone grabbed me and was like, hey, Q, and started talking to me. Totally forgot to talk to Eddie. Just complete, <laughs> I, I completely forgot to go back and talk to Eddie. So that was my bad, but he's going to join the show at 3.30. Uh, he does a lot of uh, Raider talk and uh, has a lot of good uh, conversation when it comes to the silver and black. And I really want to talk to him about, now that we know what the Raiders have done in free agency, we know what the Raiders did in the draft, what does he think that the Raiders need to do moving forward? How do they complete the puzzle? It looks like, to me, the puzzle is, a lot of the pieces are there. I still think there's a few pieces that are missing, but there's a lot of the pieces that are there. So we'll get Eddie's thoughts on what he thinks what pieces he thinks may be missing and where the Raiders could find those pieces to complete the puzzle and put this team together. Got a lot of uh, little nuggets to get through throughout the course of the show as well. There's been all kind of, it's so funny after the draft and, and right between, I feel like there's a little lull between, you know, the draft after the draft's over and then you start getting rookie mini camps, you start getting OTAs, you start, you know, going through all the other processes and then you finally get to training camp. There's kind of like that little, that NFL dead period, which the NFL does a great job of making sure there is no dead period. I mean, they're starting to roll out schedule stuff. I mean, look, they're putting together. It basically is going to take like a month to tell you what the schedule is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it is it is so crazy. You can't just have a schedule released. Like, the schedule was supposed to be released on the 12th. But now there's all kind of different 
you know, stipulations and speculations, and there's all kind of different uh, uh, pieces to the puzzle when that comes. Think about this. We already found out when the international games are, right? We found that out yesterday. On May 9th, which is Monday, ESPN is going to announce some of their games for the 2022 season. You heard me right, some. That's on Monday the 9th. On May 10th, CBS is going to announce some of their games. Not all of their games, but some of the games that will be on CBS. May 11th, Fox is going to announce some of their games. Not all of their games, some of their games. And then May 12th, NBC is going to give some of their games. All teams will announce their first home game. And then later on that evening on the 12th, the whole meal deal will come out. I love the NFL like the next man. But that's all unnecessary. That's all totally unnecessary. You giving out the week rollout. And each day, I was getting angrier inside right. my head. I'm like, come on. Right. I like, mean, are people just supposed to spend all of Monday? Hey, ESPN only has the game one night a week, Monday Night Football. Right. So they're going to probably announce maybe three games. So we're going to have to find out. There's going to be a slow drip process. I don't need a slow drip process when it comes to the schedule. It's one thing when we look at the NFL, we already, you know, look at the schedule and go through it like, I mean, like it's a holiday. Schedule releases coming out holiday. We don't give a damn when the NBA schedule come out. We don't care. We don't even care about the NBA until Christmas. And now the NFL is hijacking that. You know what I mean? Like, we don't care about the schedule. We don't care about the Major League Baseball schedule. We don't care about the Golden Knights schedule. We don't go through it as like, well, this is what's going to happen. We don't care about UNLV's schedule. I mean, we just don't. But when it comes to football, it's like, oh, man, we got we to gotta lock in on the schedule. And now they're going to slow drip everything. They already started it yesterday. They're going to slow drip it all the way through next Thursday. And they don't need to do it. Right now, ESPN could say, hey, coming up next week, May 9th, special ESPN, special NFL program. And about 15 million people would watch it yep. just because. Yep. They wouldn't even need to announce what's going to be shown. It could be the NFL logo just on a, on a black screen. For 15 minutes, and you probably would get those millions of viewers. Oh, millions of viewers, because it would, like I said, there there could be an NBA playoff game on, and somebody else would be like, "Well, hell, I'm watching the schedule release." They'll c- care more about that than they will Milwaukee versus Boston, and I think that that's going to be a fantastic series, and it already has been a fantastic series. But that's just, you know, that's just an example that how, how much the NFL is king. But this whole slow drip process with the schedule, I don't need all that. I don't need all that. They 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 could give it to me at one time. Look, I'll wait till Thursday. I don't mind. I'll wait till the 12th. That's cool. It's great content. You know, we could talk about it on, on Thursday, leading into the weekend. We can, you know, whatever. But, no, nah, they got to give it to us all week long. Also, uh, there's team projections out right now. Mike Clay from ESPN, he does a great job. And, you know, these are kind of fun. And maybe we'll get to look at it at some point in the show as well, uh, depending on, you know, what our calls and texts look like and plus our interviews, how long they go or whatever. But Mike Clay put out his team projections for 2022 for every team in the league post-draft. And it's really hard to do that, but he did it, and he did a great job. And so I'm looking right now at some of the projections for the Raiders. Some of them I think are pretty reasonable. Some I think are hmm, maybe a few questions here. So I'm not going to get to the projections right now. I want to kind of save it for a, a full meal deal and uh, you know, and then get your thoughts on it. But like I said, we have a lot of nuggets. We have a lot of notes. We have a lot of great interviews. we got a lot of stuff to get to. And we might even, and this is a very slight might, we might even get a call from Josh Jacobs. I know he was supposed to be on JT's show and little communication uh, error here, there, snafu maybe. Uh, maybe he's going to call. I'm not counting on it, but there's a chance that he may be calling in the show uh, to talk about the camp that he has coming up here in Las Vegas. So we'll 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 talk to him if he calls in. If he doesn't, that's okay too because we have plenty to get to on the show. Now that you know the, the lineup, now that you know some of the nuggets that we got to get to, let's jump into the opening drive. 
The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So last night I was having dinner, me and myself, uh, me, me and myself, me and my wife, we were having uh, dinner with my man, uh, Brother Marquise in 305. He's actually in town. Him and his wife are in town. So uh, we all went and uh, met them uh, down off the Las Vegas Strip. They're staying at Caesars. So we, you know, went and had dinner just around the corner from there. And uh, we took little Sarah with us as well. So it was, you know, it was a whole family thing. But we were sitting there, of course, Brother Marquise, I've known him for a while. Good dude. We started talking about, well, Raider football, of course. So uh, he hit me with a question that Raider Nation, I couldn't answer. I couldn't answer the question, and so I immediately pulled out my phone and said, I don't know the answer to that, dog, but I'm going to write it down, and that's going to be the subject of the show tomorrow. And so with that being said, let's jump into it. The question Brother Marquise in the 305 asked me, and this is a, a real simple question, but I really did not have the answer to it. I could only give you one, one name out of, the, out of the question that he asked me. So he says, who do you think, now that the draft is over, now the free agency is just about done, who do you think has the best shot at being the starting five on the offensive line and why? And of course, Raider Nation, the only answer I had was Colton Miller. That's the only answer I had. Out of five starters on that offensive line, I said, well, Colton Miller is going to be your left tackle. The other four, I don't know. I really don't. I don't know who's all going to be there. I know that there's going to be a healthy competition, but I'm looking at the players that are, are in, in line and who could possibly be part of this mix? I mean, they could run it back and look like it looked last season, or they could switch the things up. Last season, you had Colton Miller. You had John Simpson. You had Andre James. You had Leatherwood. And then you had Parker. They could it, That very well easily could be the starting five offensive linemen going into this season. It could be. Not saying it is. Saying it could be. You have Denzel Good coming back from ACL. You just drafted Dylan Parham. You just uh, you just drafted uh, uh, my guy out of Ohio State. Uh, what's his name? Munzer? Munson? Yes. <laughs> that was good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the backup on that one. I got his name. I have it written down. Dang it. Where is it? Thayer Munford. There Thayer you Munford, go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got your back, Q. Yeah. Unbelievable. I will follow you. There you go. <laughs> My leader. Yeah, Come yeah, on, great. Bro. Hey, man, with leadership like that, we just, we just, man, we made a wrong turn and we got stuck in the mud, brother. That was the wrong, that was one of those situations where we're like, Q, what direction you want to go? Left. All right, I'm going right. You know what I mean? Like, that's one of those, I wouldn't even be mad at you if you decided to go the other way because I had that one all messed up. But you know, they just drafted a couple offensive linemen. You know that they have guys that are there. You know, uh, there, there's, there's actually, there's plenty of dudes. Uh, Illuminor is there. Parker's there. Just resign him. Leatherwood, he could be a right guard or right tackle. There's so many different scenarios. I thought it was a great question because at first when he asked, I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be, whoa, hold on. Who's it going to be? Colton Miller. I started left to right, and I got, I got to Colton Miller, and then I realized the rest is up, up, up for grabs. So, Raider Nation, I want to ask you because clearly you're a lot more smart than I am and definitely a lot smarter than DeMond. DeMond's wearing a hoodie when it's warm out because he's spilled food on his clothes, but it's okay. And then he was in a dreamland where he thought he actually hit some buckets last night playing basketball, but that's a whole other oh, conversation. <laughs> I go back to, I go back to, hold on. I go back to the, the, just stop, just stop, stop it. When you're talking about your hoop skills, just stop it. And that was your friend, not mine. That was your friend that said that, which is hilarious. 702-365-9200, Salmon Ash, text line 69187, keyword R&R. Who do you think 
is going to be the starting five on that offensive line. Of course, it's only May. Single to miles, May 5th. Plenty of time before the season gets started. We'll have a good idea, obviously, in training camp. But just for the, the hell of it, just for some fun, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up, 702-365-9200. Let's go out to uh, NorCal Raider. You're on uh, Unnecessary Roughness. What's on your mind, my man? Thank you. How you doing? Good, man. Good. Wake up. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I think the starting five is probably going to be Leatherwood. Um, I, I could see Denzel Good going in there. And uh, um, um, where where at? what what what, uh, what positions though? Where where do you, where do you see um, him at? Denzel Good. I see him as a guard. Um, we didn't really see much from him last year. You know, then he got hurt. Right. You know the um, the other guys, the prospects that we have. Um, it just depends on on who makes it through the cap um, through the training camp. Um, you know, those guys are uh, um, probably like a year away, maybe from starting. Because you know, I'm not really worried about the offensive line very much, just because. Um, um, I think that our our uh, coaching scheme, they're very uh, quarterback friendly. They could do things like um, um, the way they call the plays. Um, they they service the quarterback a lot, like, kind of like in New England. Like they had Matt Castle, they had guys like that, that they became really good because they're able to utilize them and do fast plays enough for us. If we have a hole in the offensive line, we could probably do quicker plays than traditional plays that we did last year that were – that took a long time and fell through. So that's, I'm not really worried about the offensive line. I think it's going to be fine. It's a good work in progress. Okay. All right. Hey, well, thank you for the call, my man. Uh, I think that the offensive line is one of those that is, yeah, it's definitely a work in progress, but it's a work in progress that needs to be taken care of. You can have all the flashy tools that you want. You can have the Devontae Adams. You can have Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, uh, you know, Zamir White, uh, Kenyon Drake. I mean, you could have a plethora of weapons. Derek Carr, obviously. But if you can't protect them and you can't open up holes, those those weapons aren't going to matter. So I, I understand it's a work in progress, but it's a work in progress that needs to be addressed. So we got to NorCal Raider. We got to Denzel Good at guard. And and then he picked, uh, what, Leatherwood? I guess he was saying he was going to be back at tackle. But that was it. So there was no there was no defined answer there. There was no, hey, this is going to be the starting five. It was just like Denzel Good's going to be a guard. That lets you know how difficult the question is. Because it's 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 so many different guys, so many different bodies that could fill that void that I think are are good enough to get it done. They just got to find the five that actually makes sense, that one cohesive unit. That's the thing about it, man. That offensive line, you don't just always be able to plug and play. I know the Raiders got away with that a couple seasons ago, where they had a bunch of injuries and they had guys just step up and fill that void. That's when really that's when Denzel Good really started to show how much worth he was. Because man, they could put him anywhere, put him at tackle, put him at guard. He was able to get it done. Denzel Good's like, hell, put me in the backfield. I'll do it. I mean, it was just like Denzel Good was, he was just about the most valuable player on that offensive line because he was so interchangeable. He was able to go just about anywhere and hold his own. So thank you for that call. Uh, let's go back out at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Juan the Smasher. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. What's up, Q? What's going on? Chilling, man. Chilling. Man, I'm fired up, Q. I can't stand this cat, bro. All, all I had to do was just watch two seconds of this dude. Tom Brady, come on, my man. You know, we look, I already got take away some of my pride to get to call this man the GOAT, but then he want to come over here on Instagram and all these videos talk about that it, it might have been a fumble. You know what, Tom Brady? You can go where the sun don't shine, big dog. And you know what? I can't stand this cat. He's the only guy that's not invited to my house and can never get, eat free Mexican food. Heck no. I, I can't stand him cute. I'm, I'm sick of them. You know what I'm- <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. 
Hey man, he got the he got the Mexican food revoked at one of the Smashers' house. No food for you, homeboy. <laughs> hey man, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. Oh man, that's good stuff right there. Don't get the Mexican food revoked from the house, man. You get that revoked from the house, you're cut off. That lets you know. That's like getting your name. That's like getting the team scrub from social media. You know what I mean? Like you know that. That's like getting broke up over social media. When your girl, all of a sudden you look at your girl's profile, says single. Like, since when? <laughs> I didn't know. Someone want to tell me? Oh, man, Juan got him. Juan got Brady. If you don't know what he's talking about, there's, I guess there's some challenge going on around TikTok. I'm not a TikTok guy, but it's been all over the place. Uh, there's a challenge going on to say, tell the truth on something that you might not know. And so Tom Brady's being Tom Brady and, and trying to goof with everyone and saying, the tuck rule game against the Raiders it might have been a fumble. And that was, that was it. And it's like, we all know it was a fumble. I mean, that's the, you know, it's just bringing up old stuff. I saw Charles Woodson respond and just say, oh, that's what we're doing, Brady. That's what we're doing. So there you go. That's what Wanda Smasher is talking about right there. But I love it, man. Brady ain't getting no Mexican food at Wanda Smasher. I got something up on Brady, man. I got something that Brady can't get. I got an invite to the house, man. I can go to the house and I can get enchiladas and tacos and margaritas. All that good stuff. Brady ain't got that. Can't get that at all. I love it. Let me get to quick text real quick. Got a text. I like this from the 805. 805 Raider, as a matter of fact, 69187, keyword R&R. People are nuts if they think any rookie will start game one. It'll be Miller, James, Simpson, and Leatherwood, or Parker. Ah, look, or Parker, see? Almost there. Almost got five. My man threw six in there. Leatherwood or Parker, you're saying, is going to be the tackle. Okay. I like that. So, again, let me do it left to right. Miller, left tackle, left guard, he has Denzel Good, Andre James, center, John Simpson, right guard, and then a combination of Leatherwood or Parker. Okay, I'll, and I'll say this. I'm not, I'm not going to say people are nuts that they think a rookie's going to start, but if the rookie works his tail off during, during, during camp, and you know, I'll go back to what we were talking about, I believe we were talking about it yesterday on the show, about the intelligence of, uh, of Parham. He, he, I think he's a sneaky, sneaky good guy. Like, I think he could be a sneaky good player for the Raiders. And if he goes out there and works his tail off during, during camp, you just don't know. I think that that could be a really good competition. Oh, that was when we were talking to Ted. We were talking to Ted about the scheme fit. Uh, he, he, him and James might have a hell of a competition. That might be one of those that we look at. We always talk about training camp battles. That might be one that we look at and say, that's a good one. I understand where you're coming from, 805 Raider. You know, it, it makes sense that veterans are in that position. But we will see. We will see. Leatherwood started every game as a as a rookie. Colton Miller has started when he was a rookie. You never know. 227 is the time. When we come back, still want to hear from you. 69187, keyword R&R. What do you think? Who do you think has the best shot at being the starting five on the Raiders offensive line and why? You could also hit us up at 702-365-9200. Had a chance earlier today to talk to Patricia Trainer from Locked On Giants about James Bradbury. So you'll hear that conversation next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Coming up in just a few minutes, you'll hear my conversation with Patricia Trainer, host of Locked On Giants, also writer for Giants Country. Talk all things James Bradbury and also Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator for the Raiders. She would join the show live, but had a bunch of different appearances she had to make, so we make things work around here. Just was able to pop on and talk to her a little earlier, but... We've been having some fun 
talking about the Raiders' offensive line, courtesy of my guy, brother Marquise in the 305, asked me the question last night at dinner, who do I think will be the starting five on the offensive line? And I didn't have an answer. I didn't. I, and I usually have answers to pretty much everything, even if they're wrong. Colton Miller, I was very confident, is going to be the left tackle. After that, I think it's up in the air. I think it's a crapshoot. So we've had a lot of text at 69187, keyword R&R, but we also got some good calls that I want to get to real quick, and then you'll hear that conversation with Patricia Trainer 702-365-9200. Let's go out to Berkeley, the five and dime. Raider Fish in Berkeley, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Woo! Hey, come on. Q, what it is. Yes, sir. Go Raiders. <laughs> hey, but listen, that ain't why I called. <laughs> I'm going to give you my opinion about the old line. Okay. I don't give a care. I'm going to tell you why. <sighs> Man, what a benefit and luxury to pick third. Four, fifth, sixth, and seventh, and undrafted. That means you don't have to force fit square players into round positions, man. We get the luxury of figuring out without having all the pressure of expectations of high draft picks. So I don't care because we have time to figure it out. Get it right. Work your plans and plan your work, baby. Go Raiders. <laughs> all right. Hey, great call. I can see Raider Fish right now standing on Telegraph Ave with his phone saying, I don't care right now because we have time. I mean, it's almost like he was preaching, right? He's got to be standing on, on Telegraph Ave right now. Someone's dropping some, uh, they're dropping some money in when they're walking by. He's got his hat on the corner. Someone thought they had the offering plate out there. Raider Fish brought it that time. I like that. Good call, man. Good call. Appreciate you. Let's keep it in the bay real quick. Talk to our guy, ABA Ivan Davis. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'll be brief. Uh, I say the same offensive line. Uh, I need your help. The one that can play uh, all the offensive line positions. I believe that's the second offensive lineman that was picked, right? Yep. Or that Parham. Parham was, uh, he was the third round pick. Right. He will go to right. That, that one will go to center. Okay. Other than that, it will stay the same. I can see the other one playing right tackle because he's just happy to play any place. But I see that position coming uh, later, and the most versatile uh, lineman would go to right tackle, I think. Leatherwood stays right where he is, but that's what I see. I, I see the center being removed. My man's intelligence is just going to be – too much to uh, overtake. And even if you keep the center currently there, I don't think you'll be there the whole season. I think Parham is going to be a quick study, and he's going he's to be one I think is going to get one of them start position. Otherwise, it's going to stay the same. I still see them having a problem at right tackle. I think they need a veteran to come in, and they didn't do that. One of them guys is going to take that position, but not this year. Okay. Hey, great call, man. Thank you so much. I definitely appreciate you. And yeah, look, I'm not trying to cancel anybody out and say that none of these guys are going to be there. Uh, I just think that it's good food for thought because there's so many of them. And I think that there's a lot of guys that qualify. And I just, I really do pay attention to Parham. Uh, and I, I do think that there's going to be some added extra competition because good is coming back. And I think that good was, again, like I said earlier, I think he was a Swiss Army knife and he showed his worth by being able to play multiple positions. And again, going back to the V word, versatile, versatility, that's something that this new regime really wants. One quick text, and then we'll get to Patricia Trainer. Vegas Pete said, James played well at center down the stretch. Miller is set. I think Illuminor, since he knows Pat's playbook, starts at left guard. Leatherwood and good, right guard tackle. Okay? They will give Wood a chance at right tackle to start, but good also can play tackle. Parham is ahead of Simpson, who was our most penalized player. 
is a backup. So uh, there you go. That's from Vegas Pete. Thank you so much for that text. I appreciate you. And uh, now let's get into that conversation I had a little earlier today with Patricia Trainer from Locked On Giants, talking all things James Bradbury and J- Patrick Patrick Graham's defense with the Raiders. Here's here's that conversation. Joining me now on the phone lines to talk a little bit of James Bradbury, a guy that I'm very intrigued by as our good friend of the show, Patricia Trainer, host of Locked On Giants, also writes for GiantsCountry.com. And Patricia, thanks so much for your time as always. And I've been really, really paying attention to this situation with James Bradbury, defensive back for the G-Men, ever since Patrick Graham took over as the defensive coordinator for the Raiders because I just felt like they need a veteran corner. And why not a guy like Bradbury who had a very successful season in 2021 with the Giants and it looks like this situation is about to come to an uh, uh, end it looks like uh, maybe as early as tomorrow he might be released yeah it, it, it definitely needs to come to a head sooner than later the Giants cap strap beyond belief they have about 6.2 million in cap space at the moment not enough to sign their draft class they had an 11 member mm-hmm. draft class they're going to need a roughly 12.6 million to sign that group and uh, G- General Manager Joe Shane, look, he likes the player. James Bradbury is still a very good player. Any team would probably be lucky to have him, but they just apparently can't seem to make the numbers worse. Work rather. Um, there was one poten- one potential way to do it, and that would have been to add voidable years onto Bradbury's contract to spread out a, a converted signing bonus. Shane doesn't want to do that. He wants to keep that cap as clean as possible moving forward. So, unfortunately, James Bradbury looks like he's headed to the land of ex-Giants. Wow, wow, wow. Are you surprised that there was no teams that were willing to to pull the trigger on a trade for Bradbury? Not really, because I think the teams around the league saw the situation the Giants were in, Mm. and they figured, okay, if we wait this out, then maybe we can get the sky. And then the other thing is, is remember you had the draft. So, you know, you had teams taking younger and cheaper talent. So, you know, everybody was kind of in a wait and see mode. Well, now that the draft is done again, teams know the situation, the giants are in their cap situation is not a secret. So they probably said, well, why should we give up any kind of assets when we know this guy's going to hit free agency We'll just bid and see if we can get him that way. Right, no doubt about it. And I, th- I think when when he does get released, ultimately, which I do believe is going to happen, man, I think gates are going to open. I really think there's going to be a tons of calls. I mean, you know, this is a passing league. If you can get good corners, and he had good numbers. I mean, 17 passes, defense, four interceptions. The Raiders as a team only had six interceptions in 2021. So, I mean, you tell me they could use four interceptions, couldn't use that kind of production. How much interest do you think there's going to be in Bradbury once he hits the open market? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's if, if there's a bidding war for him. I mean, yep. one of the teams I'm keeping an eye on is the Eagles. Um, you know, I, I have a feeling because I think the Eagles wanted a cornerback uh, and, and the Giants might have drafted ahead of them or something like that. I, I, I don't remember the exact details, but um, I could see the Eagles trying to get James Bradbury just to stick it to the Giants because there's a little bit of a history there. Um, I personally hope he goes out of the division, you know, a re- reuniting with Patrick Graham out there in Las Vegas might be a good fit because, you know, Graham loved Bradbury, deployed him very creatively. So I could see that possibly being a scenario, but uh, it's very unfortunate because, you know, now the Giants will have a hole on their roster. Um, they'll probably look to fill it, I would guess, with Aaron Robinson or Rodarius Williams. Those two guys will compete if they do move on from Bradbury and 
you know, will they be as good as him? I don't know. Maybe they'll be better. We could only hope. But uh, basically, it's going to create a hole that the, that the team looked really, I think, wanted to avoid. Talking right now with Patricia Trainer, host of Locked On Giants, also writer for GiantsCountry.com here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. You said something to me that was very intriguing, and that was that Patrick Graham used James Bradbury, you know, in, a, in, a, in a creative ways. How does he use his corners? What does his scheme look like as far as, as, far as the corners uh, go? You know, how, how does he, he deploy them? Well, I mean, he'll, sometimes he'll have them stay to one side and sometimes he'll have them travel. It really depends on the opponent. But when I spoke about using Bradbury create, creatively, what he did, and I'll cite the uh, Kansas City game that they played last year, he had Bradbury all over Travis Kelsey. And mm. I think if I, I don't remember the exact stats, but Kelsey was kept quiet in that game. And uh, Graham's thinking, as he explained it to us after the game was, you know, I put size against size, and that's something James Bradbury has. He's He's got great size, great length. He's physical. He's strong. He can hold up to these to these tight ends. So what happens now when you have, uh, you know, the teams are putting big tight ends, big receivers into the slot, and typically your slot cornerbacks are smaller guys? Mm-hmm. Well, James Bradbury, you know, being a bigger guy, Patrick Graham said, you know what? I'm going to put him in the slot. This way I don't have a, a size disadvantage in trying to cover these bigger guys. Well, I'll tell you right now, uh, there's a team that plays Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs twice a year. I'm just saying. <laughs> the- I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Man, I'm, look, I've been on this campaign trail for the longest. I usually don't campaign too much for certain players, but I just last year the Raiders had Casey Hayward, and he fit perfectly with what Gus Bradley wanted to do. And so I kind of see that same scenario. Like, why not take his former defensive coordinator, a guy that knows how to use him, knows what he's going to get from him and just add him to the mix you know I mean especially wouldn't you think that that would help for the younger guys that don't know Patrick Graham's scheme to to learn from a guy not saying that Bradbury is going to come in and and be the coach on the field and and coach all these guys up but he just understands the nuances of the defense and can help the younger guys come along as well yeah absolutely and that's a great point and listen Bradbury's a great guy he's a good locker room guy he's a leader you know, he's not, he's not a, you know, a rah-rah type of guy, but he's going to come in. He's going to be a wonderful resource for whatever team he happens to be with. And if it happens to be for Patrick Graham, as you said, he kind of knows the system already. He can help with, you know, answering questions and getting guys, you know, in, in the right positions and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, I think it would make a lot of sense if, you know, he does get released, he, that the Raiders kick the tires on him and see about bringing him in. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm sold. I mean, I was sold already. Like I said, I've been kind of pounding the table thinking that they need a veteran corner to come in and and show these guys the ropes and and be that leader on the field as well. Plus, oh, by the way, he's got some uh, production. And speaking of his production, how how much more do you think he has left in the tank? I mean, realistically, you know how this league goes. I mean, all of a sudden you're at one level and then you start dropping off pretty quickly. But the Raiders got really good performance and really good, um, you know, skill from uh, Casey Hayward a year ago. And he was kind of getting up there in age. He turned into a nice little contract with the Falcons. How much do you think Bradbury has left? Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think Bradbury just turned 29 years old. This is a guy for the Giants only missed one game, and that was because he was designated as a close contact to somebody who tested positive mm. for COVID. So he's not a guy that that I think has been beaten up a lot. You know, I mean, obviously he's had the normal bumps and bruises and everything that comes with playing football, but he doesn't miss games due to injury. So I could see him easily, maybe, you know, uh, let's see, he's 29, maybe going 
another three, four years if he keeps himself healthy and in good shape. Nice. I like it. I like it. Like I said, I think it's a guy that the Raiders definitely need to pay attention to uh, when he gets released by the G-Man. And, Pat, before I let you go, let me ask you this. The Raiders went and drafted a couple defensive tackles, a couple big guys in the middle. They already went out in free agency and grabbed some defensive tackles, so they're like seven or eight in the room right now. And and to me, everything I've learned, and even what you've told me in the past, that that's something Patrick Graham really wants on that defense is those big guys in the middle to really collapse the pocket, but also really pay attention, attention to detail to stopping the run is that is that uh am i onto something there you're absolutely onto something i mean look look at the success of any defense what do they do they get the big guys to plug up the middle to, to take away you know those the, between the tackle lanes for the running game they also can push the pocket and make opportunities for the guys on the edges or the guys behind them to come in and shoot through gaps. So absolutely that's a big part of the thing and uh the giants they they had it you know, uh, a couple of years ago, then it kind of dropped off a little bit. But Patrick Graham is going to figure out ways to scheme a pass rush if he doesn't have everything he needs out there. And uh, you already have a good uh, pass rusher out there as it is, yep. you know, so uh, you might not have to worry about it as much as the Giants did. The Giants really never had a Batman pass rusher until this year when they drafted Thibodeau. But, uh, you know, I, I think you're going to be very, very pleasantly surprised when you see what Patrick Graham does with that defense because he's just so creative and if something's not working the beauty of Patrick Graham is he's not going to die on that hill he's going to figure out a way to fix it and he's not going to sit there and say oh well you know we've got to get it done uh you know because I know it's going to work and it's 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 on you the players no he's going to fix it and he's going to put it on himself to get to make it right I like it. I really do. And you mentioned the the pass rushers, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones. I mean, he's got a couple guys screaming off the edges. They can figure out that middle. Like, he's obviously trying to do a lot of attention to that has been in the offseason and the draft. I think that that defensive line is really going to be solid. So, definitely looking forward to that. Well, Pat, I know you have uh, so many shows that you're doing. I know you're writing a lot. The Giants had 11 draft picks. So, uh, I want to ask you what you got coming up, (laughs) what I need to be on the lookout for. I just know that you got a lot cooking. Yeah, I definitely do. I've been taping podcasts like mad. I did five <laughs> yesterday. I have three I'm doing today and at least two tomorrow and one on Sunday. My gosh, that's a lot, right? But yeah, 11 draft picks. What I'm doing is I'm bringing on our Locked On College hosts um, to come on and talk about the specific draft picks that the Giants um, selected because, you know, these guys, these guys and gals, they watch these players constantly so they were able to give us scouting reports i also have general um experts coming on to the lockdown giants podcast which is on youtube by the way um so you can you can hear like from rick saratella from nfl draft bible i've got a former scout coming on i've got uh, coach gene clemens who writes for me over at giants country which is part of the fan nation uh, the fan nation network uh part of size media group so yeah a lot of content a lot of breakdown and the next week the giants have their rookie mini camps so i'll be on site <laughs> to report about that and just keep this train chugging along there you go hey well we're all busy but it's a good busy we love it we're passionate you do a fantastic job both on locked on giants and writing for giantscountry.com so we definitely appreciate you this afternoon thanks so much for your time and we'll be talking soon all right Q, you be good 
There she goes, Patricia Trainer, locked on Giants, Giants country writer, does a great job covering the G-men. And one thing she said about Patrick Graham is he's not going to be hell-bent. He's not going to down that hill about, well, it's got to be this way. And I know that this works, so it's on the players to figure it out. If something's not working, he don't mind changing. And that's I think that should be music to the ears of all of Raider Nation. 2.47 is the time. We'll come back. We'll take your calls and texts. Plus, there's been a, there's been a, 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 a little shakeup. In the Raiders roster, a running back has been waived. We'll tell you who, and we'll talk about it next. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bill Romanowski, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. Boom. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Been throwing out the question there. The Raider Nation listener line, also the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Who do you think has the best shot at being the starting five on the offensive line and why? And I know it's only May 5th. I know it's super early. Super early. There's a lot of work that has to be done. But just kind of curious about who you think would have the upper hand. Of course, the guys that started last year probably have the upper hand. They're probably the guys that that have the, the, the one foot down. Colton Miller has two feet down. But the guys that started probably have the, 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 the advantage. But that doesn't mean that that's how it's going to shake out. So just kind of want to get your thoughts based off what you've seen, how you've seen this uh, regime operate, what you've seen them do as far as the draft goes, picking two offensive linemen, one in the third round, one in the seventh round. Not saying that both those guys are going to make the roster or either one of those guys. I mean, you never know. I, I, it's, it's, it's very unlikely that a third-round pick's not going to make the, the, the team, but you never know. You never know how things shake out. Like I said, there's so much work. They're actually going to be in rookie minicamp next week couple couple days, three-day rookie minicamp. That won't determine anything either. But just thought we'd get your, 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 your thoughts on it early on. Again, my guy, Brother Marquise in the 305, he's actually the one who presented the question to me last night while we were having dinner. So I thought I'd just bring it to the table. We got a text from Will in the 603. says, hey, Q and DeMond, the offensive line will be okay this year. I'm way more worried about the lack of depth at the linebacking position. Left to right, offensive line that I'm good with. Miller? Simpson, James, Good, Leatherwood. I hear your concerns about Leatherwood, but he looks hungry, and as long as he earns it in camp, it should be his position. Again, that's from Will in the 603. Okay, I like it. You know, and I've seen all the pictures out there of Leatherwood looking like he's getting bigger, stronger, he's been working on his game. That's all you can ask. That's all you can ask is a dude to to go into the offseason, realize where he needs to improve, and continue to work on it. One of the biggest things for me is not just his footwork or if he's really solid at the tackle position. One of the biggest things for me when it comes to Leatherwood, when I get concerned about him is all the penalties, the pre-snap penalties he had last season. That was a lot. That was the biggest problem for me. And one of the things about this whole experiment on who you would choose as the five, I do think that Parm could come in from what we've seen and heard. He could come in and maybe have the potential to even start at right guard, but then I would be shaky to have a rookie and a second year player Standing side by side. Right. So even if he was a, let's say if he's a B at center, but hey, he's a B plus right. at right guard. Hey, give me the B at center then. Right. Because just like the unknown of having two young players side by side on the right side of that offensive and line. And Andre James is more versatile too. He doesn't have to just play center. I mean, you, you bring up a good point. He could also play guard. So that's also something to think about. And that's why I think that the question is very intriguing because there's a few different directions that they can go. Uh, actually, a lot of different directions. But I mentioned that there was a running back that has been waived from that running back room, that very crowded running back room, and that is running back Trey Regis. 
We know that they have a plethora of running backs, but Trey Regis, the Raiders have just tweeted out, we have waived running back Trey Regis. Of course, they picked up two running backs in the draft, Zamir White in round four, Britton Brown in round seven. Uh, Britton Brown's out of UCLA, and uh, Zamir White is out of Georgia. So uh, they didn't have, obviously, as much need for Trey Regis now. And Trey Regis, you know, turned some heads last year. Trey Regis was one of those guys that uh, was undrafted, but he, he found a spot in in preseason and training camp and everyone thought hey man this guy's gonna be something never really turned out to do anything you know spent some time on the practice squad but uh really never turned any heads like we all kind of thought he he might have an opportunity to i thought last year i thought regus was going to be a guy that was going to make jalen richard expendable jalen richard ended up playing the whole year when he wasn't injured or on COVID. He, he played throughout the course of the year in 2021 now he did he did uh you know hit free agency as soon as the season ended and he has not been brought back and matter of fact, he's not on any roster right now in the league. So uh, that kind of tells you where they are with that. But, uh, yeah, there's an interesting little note. Uh, they're starting to wave wave some players now that the draft is, uh, you know, has come and gone and, and they see who they have and what they have. They've also started to get rid of, and I, I say get rid of, I don't mean it like that, but just let some people go in that front office, in the scouting department. We'll tell you that next, who, who has been released, who has been brought on. Uh, we'll do that all in part of Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day as we start off hour number two of Unnecessary Roughness next here on Radio Nation Radio 920.